you for listening to this message from the North Gate. And we are thankful for the Robins and the Townsends. And we are thankful for who you are, Ben, as a gift in the earth. Thank you. You have paved the way. You and Logan submitting in South Carolina all those years, then being sent to Covington to serve Mark and Des, and now planting in Iowa that we are hoping and believing that one of our wrestlers one day will be sent to a mom and dad and literally be guarded while they wrestle for Iowa. And so Ben believes that. I believe that. I mean, we are so thankful for who they are in the earth. And man, they are a treasure. The patience. How many years did y'all sit before you were sent? Eight and a half years they sat under a spiritual father till they were sent. And because of that, we know Iowa is blessed with a treasure in the Robbins family. Will you honor Ben as he comes to bring the word tonight? Oh, man. I need y'all to intercede for me real quick before I get started. My Hawkeyes are locked in a life and death battle with Wisconsin. We're up 12 to 6. There's five minutes left. I promise I'm being spiritual, but I'm also checking the game. So that's okay here. Jimmy's a coach. That's okay here. I felt freedom. (laughs) Seriously, though, pray. I hate Wisconsin. I hate Wisconsin. God, I hate them. Not the state, just the football team. Um, (laughs) It's such an honor to be here. I so love the Northgate and Jimmy and Tina and Big Mike and Nietzsche and the whole crew. So good to spend time with y'all and get to bring my wife up here. Last time I was here, Logan was not here. And we came when Pop was here, and I had a blinding case of pink eye that I think might have been COVID. I think there's maybe, maybe it was COVID. I don't know. I, I also claim that I'm immune to COVID, so I don't know. It was, somebody got mad at me and did something to my pillowcase, and here we go. I got... <laughs> I'm not saying it was my wife. I'm just... <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's okay. Um, and last time we were here, we did not have Miss Lennon with us, and we've got her with us this time around, and she's still squishy. She's five, five weeks old today, I believe, right, baby? She's still squishy. She'll stay squishy for a couple more weeks, and then she'll start thinking she's big and start squirming around and crawling and doing the things that babies do. That's right, tummy time and all that. But for now, she's squishy. So <laughs> while, I was, uh, while I was in worship, I just started here just to kind of reinforce uh, what... Jimmy and everyone has been sharing up to this point about sowing. I began to hear people counting gold coins. I began to hear the dropping. You know the sound that they make. I began to hear the dropping of coins as as though people were counting them. I I began to hear it audibly. I began, what's that clicking sound? And the Lord said, people are counting their gold. And there's great wealth coming to the north to the north gate. There is great wealth coming to the north gate. I I heard the Lord say to me, I'm going to begin to release dreams to give people strategic vision on how to increase not just their salaries, but to begin to increase the the reach and breadth of their businesses. There are businesses in there are business owners in here. You've been I feel the Holy Ghost. 
There are business owners in here that you've been praying for strategy to grow your business, and the Lord says you need to take a nap. You've been, you've been striving You've been efforting your way into this and you, oh, you've still been married to the Babylonian system in some way. And Yahweh said, I refuse to allow you to grow underneath the, underneath the yoke of your own effort. And I'll give you a dream in your sleep if you'll just slow down and take a nap. Enter into my rest. Enter into my rest, says Yahweh, and I will cause you to prosper. You will not prosper according to the laws of men. I have joined you to an apostolic mother and father who refuse to allow you to stay captive in a Babylonian system one more day. Listen, I'm so tired of wisdom. Oh, I'm going I'm to say it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, our wisdom, uh, our financial wisdom in the kingdom is far too Babylonian. Our financial wisdom inside of the kingdom has remained too Babylonian. And Yahweh says, I will not allow you to prosper while there is still mixture in your thinking. I'm going to bring you all the way out and I'm going to cause you to come into a place of financial prosperity that you could not have come into any other way. You will not prosper according to the laws of men. It will only be supernatural. Oh, some of you still don't believe me. Fine, stay poor. Some some of you don't, fine, struggle away. That's okay. You can struggle for the next 15 years if you don't want to hear it. Or you can be shown to the door. Because Yahweh is not going to allow you to stay in mixture in your thinking in that area one more day. He's challenging you this night, once and for all time, to come out of your uh, come out of the ways that you have been taught. Much of our incorrect thinking is not even a result of our own intentions. We get mad at people about the way they think. We get, we, why don't they just understand? Why can't they just get it? Because they have been taught for years to think in a certain way. And many people that think the way they do don't want to think the way that they do. Many people that think the way that they think do not want to think that way. The way that they're thinking is a byproduct of the way they have been taught. Whew. Oh boy, here we go. The last time I was here, the last time I was here, Pop was here, and he began to teach you that you were pearls in the hands of a mesmerized, in the hands of a, of, of a mesmerized, what was the, merchant. merchant, yes, right, merchant. I was going to mess that word up. So, it's all right. So you're pearls in the hand of a mesmerized merchant, and he's beginning the process of identifying the north gate as dearly loved, deeply treasured, and that Yahweh is mesmerized by you. And while that has been a great blessing to me, I'm, I'm, before I go, before I get too far into this, I'm very uncomfortable with what I have to share tonight. So, just so it's out there, just so it's out there. It's a little bit outside my comfort zone what we're about to do. So... Um, while that has been a great blessing to you to understand that to mentally ascend to the, let me say it that way, to mentally ascend to the place that you're a pearl in the hand of a mesmerized merchant, you're still struggling in the areas of the way that you see things. And Mama Tina tonight began to change, began to sing, you're changing the way that we see. 
You're changing the way that we, you're cha- that was the declaration, I began to hear it. And there's something that has to occur in the way that you think that, uh, before that you can, let me say it this way, there's something that has to take place in the way you think before you can see appropriately, because the way that you think will always, will always skew the way you see. Does that make sense? The way that you think affects the way you see. People with two opposing perspectives can see the same thing and come away with completely different thought processes on what just took place. You, 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 can, look at, you can look at a presidential debate for, for all you need to know on that. People with opposing perspectives, watching the same thing, coming away with two wildly different perspectives about what they just saw. What then must we do to change the way that we perceive the things that we're seeing? What then must we do to change the way that we're perceiving what we see? Your conscious mind is actually the least powerful thought provoker inside of your brain. Your conscious mind. Oh boy, I'm going to try to make this make sense and I'm going to get into something here. Your subconscious or lower consciousness, as Apostle says, the way that he says it, your lower consciousness is responsible for between 95 and 98% of your thinking. The moment you have a thought, there's a filter inside of your mind called your subconscious that filters what you're seeing and skews what you're seeing according to the way that your subconscious has been taught. I I did a little research. I read a medical journal when the Lord began to deal with me about subconscious, and I'm going to tell you about an encounter that that I had about 10 days ago that I've been vibrating ever since I had this encounter with the Lord. And... I read this medical journal, and the medical journal began to teach that babies as young as linen begin to have their subconscious trained by people that are most closely associated to them so that they know how to respond in social situations and they know what is acceptable and not acceptable inside of a home. Wow, come on. As young as linen, she's five weeks old, and her subconscious is being trained by her mom and dad already. There's some schools in psychological, uh, in psychological science that would say that your conscious mind isn't responsible for the way that you respond to situations at all. It's responsible for discovering why you responded the way that you responded in a given situation, but your subconscious completely drives the car in the way that you respond. Wow, yeah. Your subconscious is so powerful, and I'm not an expert. I'm probably butchering some of this. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert. I thought about being a psychology major at one point, and then I decided I'd, I don't think I'm probably that intelligent, so I'm going to stop. And my wrists are far too straight for that area of study anyway. Not to... All right. All right. Okay. That was a joke. That was, everybody got offended, and that was a joke. That's all right. Um... <laughs> I love psychology. Psychology is great. Um, there's some schools of psychological thought that would say that your subconscious will respond for your conscious brain, and your conscious brain then does the detective work of discovering why you responded the way that you did. Have you ever had a scenario where something happened and you didn't like the outcome? And you go through that outcome, you think through that outcome and say, next time that I'm in this scenario, I'm going to respond X. 
or if this happens, Y will be the result of how I respond. Your subconscious, as soon as you begin to be in a place even similar to that kind of a thought process, what will happen is your subconscious will already push the go button on that series of events in your mind, and you're going to begin responding on autopilot. Right. Just You begin to respond, on, big Mike knows, you begin to respond on autopilot to that scenario without even thinking about what you're responding to. What's the point of all of this? Many of you have struggled with the idea that you're dearly loved because your subconscious is still not yet redeemed. And this may just be for one person. This may be just for one person, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, we're gonna go to Luke 5. If you wanna get ready, we're gonna go to Luke 5 and we're going to, I believe at the end of this, Yahweh is going to release a few things, but one of the things Yahweh is going to release is there's an encounter available to exchange your subconscious mind for the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. I believe there's... I, I believe there's an encounter available tonight to exchange your subconscious thinking with the life of the Father, the shared life, I want to say it that way, the shared life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. We're going to go to Luke 5. I'm going to read out of the New King James Bible, and I want to read this first. I began, I began to be invited by Yahweh to go deeper into Trinitarian theology. And though I'm not a... I'm not a theologian. I would like to be. I wish I were intelligent enough to be one. I wish I were schooled enough to be one. But I, I do like to, you know, dabble in some theological thought. And the Lord began to invite me into Trinitarian theology. And I knew immediately I needed to get some more Baxter Kruger materials in front of me. So I, I ordered the great dance. Wow. And the great dance is absolutely causing a reverberation effect to go on, go on on, in, on the inside of my interior world that's changing everything about who I am. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that on the other side of what the Lord's doing on the inside, I've felt like I've had a whirlwind on the inside of me for 10 days in a row. Every time I, try, every time I begin to turn my heart towards Yahweh, I begin to vibrate in a way I've never felt before. And I just want to read this to you. The dream in the heart of the Father, Son, and Spirit is to share their life with us. In his book, The Great Dance, uh, Baxter Kruger, he goes on to explain the, the thought process of the Godhead in sending Jesus. The whole logic of sending Yeshua to the earth. And this is the whole logic of sending Yeshua to the earth. They wanted to share their life with us. Pop has done such a great job of teaching on perichoresis, and he's teaching about perfect love, other-centered, self-giving, other-centered love, loved self-giving, uh, other-centered love until it demanded the reproduction of another, and we were spawned out of the great dance of the Father, Son, and Spirit. The whole, the whole logic of sending Yeshua was to recover the shared life that the Father, Son, and Spirit shared with Adam in the garden before Adam ate the fruit and believed the lie that he was separated. So the whole logic of sending Jesus was so that we could recover the shared life that Adam had with the Father, Son, and Spirit. The dream in the heart of the Father, Son, and Spirit is to share their life with us. They want to share the goodness, complete wholeness, and the other-centered self-giving love that they share with one another with you and me. 
Their chief desire is to draw us into their union and share their life with us. It was to this end that Yeshua lowered himself to be born of a woman and be laid in a manger. It was to this chief end that he came, that he would be the connection point between men and God, and that through Yeshua we would share the life of the we would share the life of the triune God with the triune God. We would share the other-centered, self-giving love of the Father, Son, and Spirit, that we would be drawn in to the romance that goes on between the Father, Son, and Spirit. The other-centered, self-giving love that they share with one another, he wants to draw us into it. And we do not fully come into that why. Why do we not fully come into that? Not because we've not been receiving the right teaching. I want to talk to maybe one or two people, maybe it's more, but there's at least one or two people that are still struggling with the idea that your sole identity is one dearly loved by the Father. And why are we struggling with our identity being one solely dearly loved by the Father? Because our subconscious has not yet been reformed. There's a way, friends, there's a way to retrain your, neurolo- your neurological pathways. You can retrain your neurological pathways through much effort and through much sweat, and I'm encouraging all of it. Go ahead. Begin to meditate on the right things. Begin to think about the right things. Begin to fill your mind with the right things. But I'm telling you that Yahweh is so intent on this family receiving the truth of their beloved identity that he sent me here tonight to tell you there's an encounter of Available that's going to change the way you see everything. Your subconscious, your subconscious skews everything you see. And if I already told you that your subconscious is already being trained by the time that your linens age. And if for years all you heard was you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything, you'll always come up just a little bit short, why are you so disappointing to your mother and your father? And then you come into this kingdom family and you begin to hear the truth of your loved, your dearly loved, and you, for the most part, most of you do well most of the time. But when things start to go in a way that is not perfect... When things start to go poorly for you, when the business doesn't grow, when a, when a bad report comes in from the doctor, when there's bills that come in that you weren't expecting, when you, your wife doesn't respond the way that you think she ought to respond to you, when your husband doesn't respond the way that you think that he ought to respond, when you blow it, when you just flat dog blow it, you flip somebody off when you're driving, whatever it is, whatever, go ahead, it's okay. Confess and be healed. <laughs> Confess your faults one to another and be healed. Um, When those things begin to happen, what happens is you go through, you go through, and you begin to go down a direction that you have no intention of going. It'll cause you to spiral. Yes, that's it. It'll cause you to spiral, and it'll cause you to get out of rhythm, and you'll stay out of rhythm for days, weeks, and months on end. And if you're not careful, it'll spin you out of the family. And you've seen people that were doing well. All of you have seen people that were doing well, that had things going in the right direction. They, they hit one moment of adversity and begin to spin out of control. And you begin to approach them to try to correct their spinning. And your correction of their spinning, they fought against because all they ever knew, oh, their subconscious began to paint what you were saying to them in such a way that they had to spin further away because shame was directing where they would go. 
Yeah, and you may not be spinning away from the family right now, but talk to me about a few months ago, cowboy. Talk to, talk to me when the chips get down, where does your mind go? We're going to deal with it tonight. We're, I'm telling, we're going to deal with it tonight. It will change forever in the North Gate. There will be no more people of two minds after this night, says the Lord. We've been a people of two minds. We, and I'm not saying that in a way that I'm pointing. For, I know what it's like to be a person of two minds. I know what it's like to have my apostolic father lay his hands on me, prophesy revival going to Iowa, send me to plant a church, and still be a man of two minds. Dealing with subconscious pathways that would lead me away from the light of life. Caused me to think in ways that were just, I didn't even know why I was thinking that way. I would get into a moment and all of a sudden my brain would start to spin out of control and I'd be like, I'm, I'm beloved of the Lord. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm as righteous as Jesus right now. These truths that we've all been taught and, and saying it out loud had no fruit in the moment of correcting where I was going because my subconscious mind had not yet been redeemed by the light of life. And Jesus stepped into my study 10 days ago and changed everything. And he's here to do that for you too. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the fear of the Lord riding in on that. The fear of the Lord riding in. I'm telling you, evangelism is going to change in this house. Evangelism is going to change in this house. Jimmy, evangelism is changing in this house. In days gone by, in days gone by, you would chase down the, you would chase down the one. You'd leave the 99. You'd go after the one. You'd chase the one. We'd say, Jesus chased the one. No, he didn't. He absolutely did not. If you go through the gospel, I can't see one moment of Jesus chasing someone. Jesus showed up and the one came running. Well, brother, what about the woman at the well? He went out of his way to go. He sat down on a well and waited for her to come walking. Brother, he walked all the way out of his way, and what do you mean he didn't go chase what He didn't chase the one. He showed up in proximity of a region where there might be a lost son or a lost daughter, and the reverberation of the vibration of Yeshua the Christ being in that region hit that person, and they said, there's one who's not like anybody else. I better go find him. You better get ready. You better get you better get ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. You're going to return to first things. And that returning to first things won't lead to you wearing yourself out. It won't lead to you being tired. It won't lead to you having more to do. All you're going to have to do, you'll show up in the middle of the Whoa, in the middle of the shopping center, and they'll say, is that the one the school board's talking bad about? Is that the one everybody's running their mouth about? There's such a light around him. I better go get around him and see what he has to say. Jesus came to me and he said to me, son, you'll never be an anthropology of light until your subconscious has been redeemed. And he said, I'm going to replace 
your subconscious with the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm going to replace your subconscious thinking pattern with the life of heaven. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Go to Luke 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 through 25. Now it happened, and this is in the New King James. I'm reading, I'm returning to some first loves. It's crazy what happens when the Lord begins to redeem some things in the, the way that you think, you actually begin to return to first things, the things you were first passionate about, yeah. and you actually have permission to believe. You have permission to believe again for great revival sweeping the whole of the Northeast. You have permission to believe again for the moving of the Spirit in ways you've never seen before. You have permission to believe again. Jesus, you have permission to believe again. You have permission to believe again. And I've, I've got my revival study Bible out. My wife gave this to me before we were married. Oh, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm revisiting some things that I used to believe for. Now it happened on a certain day as he was watching, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee. Now watch where they came out of. Every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Why did all the teachers of the law come see him? Why? This I was I was reading this, it struck me. I said, why in the world? would they leave where they were at to come hear this man teach? If you'll back up to verse 12, and I didn't give you this, but I just want to show you this. In verse 12, And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. He didn't go after the man full of leprosy. The man full of leprosy found him. That's right. <clears throat> he was full of leprosy. He saw Jesus. He fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. <clears throat> what you have to understand about Jewish culture at this time was they didn't see sickness as just someone's got cancer. They've had their genetics or what have you. They've had some bad luck. That Whatever it was, they, they got sick. God bless them. We've got to do whatever we can for them. They saw sickness, especially leprosy, as the curse of God. Yeah. Their culture believed that those that were leprous were cursed by Yahweh that Yahweh had cursed them and their family line. And the moment, and apostles taught about this, I don't, I'm not going to even try to rehash his teaching on any of this, but what I will say is that the moment they were found to be leprous, a son of the covenant was removed from his covenant family, placed in the wilderness, and never experienced the touch of another human being again until he died. He went to go live with other men who were leprous, who others, I'll say it this way, other sons of the covenant that the religious system said was cursed by Yahweh. 
God cursed you, you have to leave your covenant family and go live in the wilderness with other men and women who have been cursed and you'll never experience human kindness or human touch again. You've got to yell unclean anytime you come around clean members of the family of covenant because you, son, are cursed and you'll never, you'll never reach the fullness of your days and you'll never see your family again. You're cursed. And this man hears of a rabbi teaching something different than what he'd heard. Oh, this man hears of a rabbi who's saying things like, my father in heaven. And he begins to hear the father message of God and says, if his, if his God really is a father, I don't think he'd curse me and cast me out into the wilderness. He's healing the blind. He's raising the dead. Maybe he can lift my curse. He wasn't just seeking healing. He wanted to be healed, but he was not just asking him, will you please heal me? He's saying, is it true that Abba does not curse his sons? Oh, I heard a rumor that you were teaching that Abba didn't curse his sons, and I've come to find out if it's true. Then he put out, oh, Jesus... If you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Yeshua put out his hand and touched him. And we know that that word touched isn't just like this. It's not just like, be healed. I don't want to get the leprosy on me. Be healed. Be healed. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Stand up, T-Bone, stand up. It's this. Son of the covenant struggling, and I'm going to adhere myself to this young man until I drive every bit of curse out of his body. But it's not just the curse coming out of his body. I'm going to hug him until every bit of curse consciousness is eradicated out of his thought process. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to adhere myself to this son of the covenant. I'm going to show everybody that my father didn't do this. And I've come to fix your broken perspective of who my Abba is. My father is not a curse giver. My father is not a curse giver. For this reason was the son of man made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. What works of the devil are we talking about? We're talking about sickness. We're talking about death. We're talking about all of those things. Absolutely. But chief among them, chief among them is the thought process of the religious system that Abba went around looking for family lines to put a curse on. So when it says these religious teachers came to hear Jesus, they were coming to examine the rabbi who was lifting curses. I'll I'll prove it to you in a second. They were coming to examine the man who said, my father does not curse sons of the covenant. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That word, 
I'm not going to pronounce it, that, word, that Greek word right there, because I'm a redneck, and I've got a confused accent. I'm from Iowa, but I sound a little bit southern because I lived in the south long enough, and I'm, it's confusing when I talk, so <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Would you, that word, <laughs> the definition of that pulled right from, the, pulled right from the, uh, the, the, the lexicon there, to cure, to heal, to make whole. Now watch this. To free from errors and sins, and to bring about one's salvation. To free from errors and sins, and to bring about one's salvation. Salvation was staring them in the face, and they couldn't see it. Why couldn't they see it? Because the way they thought obscured everything he said. The way they thought obscured everything they heard. And in order to receive what he heard, it would have, have, would have required a level of humility that would have laid down all of their teaching and said, I know I've been taught this. I know that I've given myself to this. I know that I believe I've been righteous before God by giving my life to this. But I'm going to lay this down in front, of a, oh, in front of a rabbi with better news. And I'm going to say, teach me your ways that I might come into life. This is what that would have required. And these men were unwilling. Yeah. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. The Passion Translation calls him a paraplegic. Couldn't use his hand, he couldn't use his arms or his legs. He's paralyzed from the neck down. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on a housetop and let him down in his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? Who's this man who thinks he can lift this curse off of this one? When Jesus is saying, I'm forgiving your sins, he's not just saying to him, I'm forgiving the the bad words you said yesterday. I'm forgiving the misdeeds. I'm forgiving the missing the mark. He's not just saying that to him. He's saying, I'm lifting the curse off of you and off of your family now and forever. You will be cursed no more. I lift it off you forever. And the Pharisees immediately begin to get offended. Because why not? That's what Pharisees do. They get offended about everything. You you may as well just go ahead and get it out of the way. Offend them up front. Tell a joke about flipping people off in traffic. Get all the Pharisees offended. They won't hear the rest of what I say anyway. I'll speak to everybody else that thought that was funny. It was funny. (laughs) I'm up at the North Gate saying people thought me flipping somebody off in traffic was offensive. My God, I don't know. I bumped my head somewhere. I'm I'm amongst my people. <laughs> who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up the oh, took up what he <clears throat> took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. They glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. When he says to him in verse 20, I want to just go back to verse 20. When he saw their faith and he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. When he says to him, your sins are forgiven you, do you know what that word is? That, that's the Greek word hamartia. We know that. Pop, pop, teaches about that all, pop teaches about that all the time. And again, I'm not going to try to rehash what pop teaches. That's a fool's errand. That's a fool's errand. <clears throat> That's the word hamartia. What does that mean? What does that mean? He said hamartia. Ham, hamartia is without form to be formless, to be one who has broken agreement with his original intention. And Yeshua looks at that man and he says, son, I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm not forgiving your sins. I'm bringing you back into your original intention. I'm restoring lost identity to you. You're not cursed. That man lived his whole life believing he was cursed. He comes before the great rabbi and the great rabbi says to him, I'm going to first of all deal with your cursed consciousness. I'm going to first of all deal with this religious idea that my father would ever curse a son of the covenant. I, he did not do it and I won't let you begin to think that you've been cursed. I haven't been able to stop teaching about this. This whole idea of the curse consciousness being eradicated from our minds. We've had two gatherings for the resting place. We had one right before we moved into our home. We, we shaved it as close as we could. We, we got to Iowa. We lived with my folks for five months. And then we moved one week to the day before we had our baby. So Lennon joined us a week to the day after we moved into our home. A week before that, we had our first gathering. <laughs> So we, we had five states show up for our first gathering. We had Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa. Folks from all five of those areas show up for our first gathering. And I began to teach them that Yeshua came to deal with our curse consciousness, that he would not allow sons of the covenant to believe that Yahweh was anything but good, that he would not be, that he would, he came that we would begin to believe that we're not cursed by Yahweh and not only are we not cursed by Yahweh, we're dearly loved sons and daughters, that we have been given the gift of righteousness and there's nothing else to be said about who we are other than I'm dearly loved and I've been made righteous by Jesus and he ushered me in to the divine dance, the Father, Son, and Spirit share with one another. This is where we started. I haven't been able to get off of it. Why haven't I been able to get off of it? I believe I saw Isaiah sitting up here on here. I love that you had Isaiah up here. You leave it right there. It's fine. When Pop gave us, when Pop gave us the initial word about Iowa, it was be six years ago in February. He, he calls us out in revival. and says there's a great revival coming to Iowa. Use the words, I'm sending you to Iowa six years ago. I'm sending you to Iowa. Then for the next four and a half years, everybody asked me, when are you going to Iowa? And I said, when that man says to. Yeah, come on, that's right. Come on. That's exactly right. 
something you're going to have to do if you're going to begin to receive the inheritance of prophetic promises is you need to understand a little bit about the character of Yahweh. Yahweh tells the truth 100% of the time and he will do what he said he will do. But the way that he will do what he said he will do is he's going to give you this prophetic promise and then go about fulfilling that prophetic promise by looking like he's not interested at all in fulfilling that prophetic promise. He's going to give you a promise. It's going to be, you're going to fall out on the floor. You're going to ball. It's going to be amazing. I laid out the whole service. I laid before the Lord. I was weeping. I was like, my God, the mantle of revival has come. It's finally time. And two weeks later, I sat in my apostle's office confessing all my sin, confessing how terrible I was, telling him how bad of a husband I was, all the crying, bawling my eyes out, telling him I am a complete and utter failure. I need help. And then, and then four and a half years of nothing. And then we thought it was time, and then another year of nothing. The word he gave us, he said, the mantle of Isaiah is going to come on you, and I'm going to send you in the mantle of Isaiah to declare to the Midwest that there will not be judgment on the Midwest. There will not be a curse placed on the Midwest by Yahweh, but there will be the fires of revival. And I saw Isaiah up here and I said, my God, he's fulfilling his promise and I didn't even realize he was doing it. Mantling me with the word of God did not come to curse you. He came to lift your curse consciousness off of you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm just hearing. I just want to hear. I want to know. I want to know what it is the Spirit's saying, and I'm just hearing. You just bear with me for a moment. Just bear with me for a moment. There are prophetic promises that lie dormant in this house. There are prophetic promises that lie dormant in this house, and there are those of you that have received words that feel like you have forfeited those words because of the amount of time it has taken from the receiving of the word to the fulfillment of the word. There are those of you that would say that I, have, I must have done something to offend Yahweh because I'm no more closer to receiving this promise than the day that I received it, that or they missed it. There's someone, there's someone listening right now, specifically you've had this conversation in your mind recently, they missed that prophetic word because I'm no more closer to this than I was the day that they gave it to me and that's not the truth. The truth is that Yahweh is working all things for your good and this is what happens when he releases prophetic words. He goes about fulfilling that word by not looking like he's interested in fulfilling that word. Why? Because he's conforming you into the image of his son and that was the inheritance all along. If he were to come to us and tell you, I'm going to turn you, I'm going to make you look like Jesus, most of us would realize what that meant and we'd say no. Most of us would receive that word and say that, oh my God, 
I'm nowhere like Jesus. I'm not worthy to be like Jesus. We have all of this thing. Listen, we have all, not because we don't want to be like Jesus, but because our thinking has been so broken, we would immediately, we would immediately go to a place where I'm not worthy to be made into the image of Jesus. So I think I'm going to sit that one out, sir. I think I'll pass. Go find someone who didn't miss it the way that I missed it most of my life. Go find them. Go find someone else who deserves it. Go some, go find someone else who's a little bit more qualified because that's not me. So what he does is he gives Logan and I a promise of sweeping revival coming to the Midwest. Promises of not a congregation, but being given cities. That was the word to us. The word was, he's not going to give you a congregation. He's going to give you cities. That, That was the word. And I'm, I'm blown away by the prophetic word. And you know how we begin to receive the fulfillment of that prophetic word? We begin to look like one who the woman at the well said, I've never seen a man like this. And I think I'm going to go adhere myself to this one. We begin to look like Jesus and the prophetic promises given to us by Yahweh begin to be, begin to be given to us like an inheritance. You don't, there's this lie in the, I don't know why I'm talking about this. There's this, there's this misunderstanding in the prophetic camp that as soon as you get this word, you've got to begin to work that word out in your own life. You've got to begin to get on the treadmill of religion and you've got to begin to, you've got to get on the road to nowhere and you've got to work yourself into shape so that you can qualify to receive that word. He knew you didn't qualify when he gave it to you. Why are we so obsessed with qualifying ourselves? He knows we're not qualified. There's so much prophetic seed in this house and some of us in here are still subconsciously disqualifying ourselves from receiving inheritance because we don't feel qualified. He comes... And he gives the promise, and when he gives the promise, he takes us on the journey of being conformed into the image of Yeshua. And when we begin to look enough like Yeshua, what he does is says, it's time for the robe and the ring. It's... Show. It's time for the robe and it's time for the ring. It's time for this one to have a weothesia. He's a fully mature son and I'm going to hand him all the inheritance that I promised him. There are some of you that are not far from your weothesia moment. I'm looking at you, Nietzsche. I'm looking at you, Nietzsche. I'm looking at you, Nietzsche. Woo! I'm looking at you, son. I see Jesus in you, son. And it's time for you to receive the prophetic promise of Yahweh over your life. You have done well. Woo! You have persevered and the time has come. That wealth he promised you, you better get ready. That wealth he promised you, you oh, that he said that you would be a broker in the earth for kingdom purposes. You better get ready, Nietzsche. You better get ready, Nietzsche. You better get ready. Ah. Mm. Mm. 
I've not worked enough for it. Oh, that's the point. Ha. <sighs> 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 I've not worked enough for it. No, you haven't. He did everything that needed to be accomplished. He accomplished all of it, and he took you with him when he did it. You're seated at the right hand of the Father in Jesus. All you have to do is receive. But we're going to have to be able to redeem our unredeemed thinking. You'll never, be a, you'll never be an anthropology of light. When, when Pop says, you'll never be an anthropology of light, you, he starts to teach about anthropology of light. What is he saying? You're a culture of light. That's what the word anthropology means, culture. I actually took anthropology, the study of human beings in, in college. I took a class. And there's a really interesting uh, hypotheses out there in the world of anthropology, and it's called the Sapir-Whorf hypotheses. The Sapir-Whorf hypothesis says this. The way a man or woman speaks, the language they use, paints the way they see the world. So Hispanics see the world differently than English-speaking peoples do. And people that speak African languages would see the world differently than a German-speaking person would because of the language that they use. So when we, come with the, uh, when we come with the language of beloved identity, and we come with the language of righteousness, and we come with the language of the kingdom, what then should that do with the way that we see the world? What that does is it removes all the boundaries. It removes all the boundaries and we begin to see things like nothing's impossible for him that believes and all things are possible. Whoo, all things are possible with God and nothing is impossible to him that believes. We begin to see the world as one big possibility rather than impossibility after impossibility. I don't even use, I don't even use the word impossible in my home anymore. I so hate the word impossible, I won't use it with my son. I won't use it with Willow. I won't use it with Samuel and Lennon will never hear me say something's impossible. We'll never hear me say it. We've so trained ourselves that these things that Yahweh has called us to are impossible. We have subconsciously begin, begun to teach ourselves we'll never see it accomplished. Our God is a God who does things that, things that are impossible. Sure, yes, but is it impossible for him? Is it impossible for him, Nietzsche? Is, it, is anything impossible for Yahweh? then why are things impossible for you? My children and my church family will never, oh, the resting place will never hear from its father and mother that something is impossible or that Yahweh has done the impossible amongst us. He, they will never hear us say it. Why? I hate the word impossible, but there is nothing impossible to him that believes. And we come into this kingdom way of living. We come in to this kingdom family. We come into kingdom language and the, the, the thought process of something not being possible gets thrown to the wayside because nothing is impossible to him that believes. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible.
His name is Joe, yeah? Joe? It's time, son. It's time, son. Woo! I see the angel of the Lord standing behind you, Joe. That which has remained out of reach will be out of reach no longer, says Yahweh. That which has remained perpetually out of reach for you will remain out of reach for you no longer, and you will fully come into all that Yahweh has promised you. uh, Yes, even the ways of thinking that you have struggled with over the last years, Yahweh says, I will remove them out of your mind and you'll see them no more as... It will be as the Egyptians who chased the Israelites will so remove these ooh, will so remove these things from you. You were designed to be a power broker into the earth, says Yahweh, and I will cause this to come to pass in great haste, says the Lord. In great haste, I will cause this to come to pass. You, son, will see all that I have promised you. That holding pattern you've been stuck in now is broken, says the Lord. And the series of disappointments that you have faced, you'll see no longer, says the Lord. You've been perpetually disappointed by the promises of God. And the promises of God, they have remained true. I bless you in the name of Yeshua. I bless you in the name of Yeshua. I bless you in the name of Yeshua this night. Oh, I bless you in the name of Yeshua. I bless you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six months. Six months from now, you'll look back and you will be a completely new man. Six months from now, you will look back and you will be, not that you're a bad man. You're a good man. You're faithful. You're a son. You're a good husband. You're a good dad. But Yahweh is so going to transform your interior world that you'll look at yourself and say, I was made again another. 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 You're a man, you're a good vessel as it it is, but you're about to be a vessel of honor. You're a good vessel as it is, but you're about to be a vessel of honor in Yeshua's mighty name. Evangelism is changing. Evangelism is changing. Evangelism is changing. Ooh, Armin, you better hear me. Evangelism is changing. Evangelism, I see the glory of the Lord resting on you. Evangelism is changing, man. All you have to do is dare to believe that you're as glorious as he says that you are. And I see men surrounding you. Oh my God, I see men surrounding you, coming to you. And you're going to begin to bring people into the kingdom in ways that you would have never thought of in the past. Men are going to begin to be attracted to the light that it, whoo, that that is illuminated off of you 
There's gonna be a luminescence about you. That's the word. There's gonna be a luminescence about you and men in your workplace are going to begin to say, why are you so not affected by all the hell that's breaking out all around us? What's different about you? And you're going to begin to lead them into the kingdom. I'm telling you, your peace and your luminescence will do it. Pearls in the hands of a mesmerized merchant. Pearls in the hands of a mesmerized merchant. Pearls in the hands of a mesmerized... I feel like I'm speaking to to like special forces right now. That's really what I feel like I'm doing. I feel like you have been honed into a place where each of you is so special before the Lord that Jesus, 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 Jesus... Jesus, nothing's going to be impossible for this house. Nothing is going to be impossible for this house. Nothing is going to be impossible for this house. Mm. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And I'm thinking, why? In the hell, don't they get out of the way? I'm thinking, why in the hell don't they get out of this man's way? He needs the great rabbi who's healing those that are paralyzed. Why won't they move? Because he's cursed. And I'm not, and I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna allow a cursed man to have my place in front of this rabbi. I'm gonna leave him out in the cold. He's cursed, and I'm not. He's cursed, and I'm not, so he can't come in. I'm at the point now where sick people come into my meetings, I get excited. It's a Jesus is ready to heal the sick at all times. I get excited about it. I say, Jesus, you're going to receive the reward of your suffering. We're going to see all manner of sickness healed tonight. We're going to see it done. And Jesus is standing there in physical form. And these, these teachers of the law won't move for the man who needs him most. Those that are well don't need a physician, Jesus would say. Those that are well have no need of a physician, but I have come for the sick because they need a physician. And one who needed the physician was there and the teachers of the law wouldn't move. Because he's cursed. I love the audacity of his two friends, or four friends, however many it was. He had gangsters on his side. That's all. He had gangsters on his. They won't get out of my way. Okay, okay. They won't get out of my way. We're going up a little bit higher. They're, we're gonna. He's not gonna get out of my way. I'm gonna go up just a little bit higher. He's not gonna get out of my way. I'm gonna go up a little bit higher, and I'm gonna begin to tear the roof off of the building that these men that claim my friend is cursed are standing in the way of. And I, I, oh. 
I'm reading The Great Dance. Ten days ago, I'm reading The Great Dance. And I begin to see the truth of the logic behind the incarnation. That's how Baxter Kruger says it. He says the logic, he's, he's a genius. He's so much smarter than me. I barely understand most of what he writes. Thank God for our apostle who makes really smart things understandable. Um, he begins to talk about the logic of the incarnation being the Father, Son, and Spirit wanted nothing more than to share their shared life with me. I go into a vision. And I'm, I'm reading this. I'm in this chapter, and I'm reading that in the great dance, and all of a sudden I see it. I'm the man on the stretcher who's in need of the great physician to heal him. And why won't the teachers of the law get out of my way? I want to be healed in the ways that I'm thinking. And why can't I be healed in the ways that I'm thinking? Because my subconscious thought was still too conscious of the curse. I subconsciously still believed I was under the curse of Adam and I was still separated from God. So Yeshua comes. I'm reading this book and Yeshua walks into the room. And I begin, I, be, I go into this vision. I watch as Yeshua ascends into what looks, it looked like, like outer space. It looked like a galaxy. And I see him take hold of a black hole. And I knew he looked, he looked right at me when he grabbed this black hole and I knew what he was doing. He said, I'm taking your broken thinking. You understand what black holes are in outer space. Big Mike could explain it better than I could. I'm sure you all, probably most of you could. But these things are so dense, their gravity is so dense that it pulls anything that gets too close to its gravitational pull. It pulls it inside and destroys it. And that's how our subconscious, whew, that's how our subconscious submarines the way that we're thinking as we're coming into this kingdom family. We're trying to come into kingdom thinking. We're trying to come into righteousness. We're trying to come into beloved identity. We're trying to come in to all these things. And that black hole of unredeemed subconscious thinking, that thought of righteousness and beloved identity gets too close to it and it gets pulled inside. And it might not get pulled inside while things are going well, but the moment things stop going as well as we would like them to that thing gets pulled in there and we don't it doesn't see the light of day again I guess this really doesn't work the way that Jimmy and Tina told me that it worked I guess this doesn't work the way that apostle taught me that it would work. I guess this really does it may work for those that have finances it may work for those that have been in this longer it may work for those that have a personal relationship with our apostle but it does not work for me Yeshua came in the room, and I'm so undone. I'm laying in my chair, and I'm just three sheets to the wind. I'm weeping before the Lord. My son walks up to me. The Lord spoke to me some time ago and said, you let your son come as close as he wants any time you're encountering me. You invite him in as deep as he wants to go. My son walks up to me, places his hand on my belly, and just starts going, fire, fire. <laughs> That's the only way he knows how to He learned to pray in a fire tunnel at the shepherd's tent. That's how he learned to pray. He learned to pray in a fire tunnel at the shepherd's tent. And all he knows how to do is pray for fire. 
Anytime he goes, anytime he goes to pray for someone, he just says, fire, fire. He's laying hands on me. Later that night, I'm laying in bed with him because he's six. He's almost six, and I still lay in bed with him every night. And he says to me, Dad, I, I love when I pray for you when you're getting touched by Jesus. And I said, buddy, I love it too. And he says to me, yeah, it feels really good when I pray for you. I said, what's it feel like, bud? He says, it feels like my soul is getting touched on the inside. And I said, what's that? What's that like, bud? And he said, it's like a hand reaches on the inside of me and touches me when we're, oh, when I pray for you in those moments. It's like a hand touches me on the inside while I'm praying for you. I said, that's about the best way someone could ever explain how, what it's like being touched by the, by the great rabbi. I said, my God. <laughs> Jesus comes to me and he grabs this black hole and I'm watching him do it and he removes it. I don't know where it went. He grabbed it and removed it and I didn't see it again. I don't know where it went. And then he grabbed something that was so bright that it was not legal to be called light. It was, he grabbed an orb that was not legal to be called light. He grabs this orb and he puts it right where that black hole was and it begins to shine. And he said to me, I am replacing your, sub, your broken subconscious thinking with the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. I am replacing this. This day, you'll never see that thinking again. You'll never see it again. You'll never see it again. I've not seen it again. Not only have I not seen it again, I haven't been able to stop vibrating. Every time I, oh, every time I, every time I turn my heart to Jesus, my insides begin to reverberate with the frequency of the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. It just whoa, 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 whoa. my my frequency is a shared frequency with the Father, Son, and Spirit. My frequency is a shared frequency with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, I'm watching this parable and I'm like, why won't they get out of the way? Why won't they get out of the way? He needs Jesus. Why don't they move? Because he's cursed. Okay. Well, his friends begin to take him up higher and I began to ask the Lord, who are his friends? These are incredible people. Who are his friends? These are amazing People. These are amazing people. Who are his friends? He said, their name's the gospel. Their name is the gospel of the kingdom. His friends are the, oh, oh, are the gospel of the kingdom. What do you mean? I'm going to show you what I mean. In Romans chapter 5, I'm going to show you one thing in Romans chapter 5, then we're going to pray. We're going to be done. I'll stop yelling at you. We'll be done. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what man, Yeshua, the Messiah, did for us. And this free-flowing gift imparts to us, watch this, much more than what was given through one man who sinned. 
the free gift of righteousness overflows to us much more than the curse of Adam's wrong thinking about being separated from God. Oh. For because of one transgression, we're all facing a death sentence with the verdict of guilty, but this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, not guilty. I'll leave it there. That's fine, right there. I began to ask the father, who are this man's friends? And he said, this man's friends are the gospel of grace. And the only way up on that roof is you begin to hear a higher message than the message of the curse. The only only way into that room with the one who's ready to heal you, the only way into the the only way into the middle of the room with the great rabbi who's ready to heal you is the gospel of the message of the finished work and of grace. You don't have to do another thing. And who are the men standing in the way? Your religious thinking. My religious thinking couldn't get me in front of the one who was ready to heal me. They wouldn't make room for me. So the gospel of grace said, I'm going to take you higher up on the roof and I'm going to get some of this wrong thinking out of your way and I'm going to lower you down in front of the one that can heal you. And so we did. He carried me up on the roof. And he tied ropes to the bed that was keeping me in prison. Y'all, 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 y'all. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to lay my hands on a blind person and watch the blind eyes open under the touch of my hand and feel like a complete failure while I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Yeah. I know what it's like to watch tumors dissolve under the touch of my hand. Tumors dissolve under the touch of my hand and feel like a complete and utter imposter. I know what it's like to be sent to plant a church in this kingdom family and still feel like one who can't get out of his own way. And there's a way you can retrain your neurological pathways, and I encourage that. But tonight, the great rabbi's in the room and the power to heal has walked into the room with him and he's coming for the last remnants of wrong thinking on the inside of you and on the other side of this. Nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you and nothing will be impossible to this house. I need somebody just to come play, please. Just whoever, Armin, you coming? Beautiful. Whoever else, I don't care, whatever. However y'all do it.
There's someone under the sound of my voice. You were abused as a young person. You were molested as a young person. And you've, oh my God, you've carried the sense of being unworthy and a failure a lot. Oh, you've carried the sense of being unworthy and a failure with you the rest of your life. It, it, it's, it's colored everything you see in life and you don't see it all the time. But when things begin to go not perfectly, that feeling of I'm unworthy, I'm dirty, I'm unclean. It catches up to you every time. And Jesus is going to wipe that thinking out of your life once and for all time this night. It's going to happen. Tonight, you'll never be the same. You will never be the same. Brother, most of the time, I do really, really well. I know you do most of the time. You do really, really well. Mm. I'm speaking to a man right now. There's 10% left of wrong thinking on the inside of your mind, and it's hamstringing you into coming into the... It's hamstringing you into coming into the revelation of righteousness. You're still trying to work for your own salvation. And you do really well most of the time, and Abba wants you to know he's not mad at you. He's proud of you, son, but he wants to bring you into a better way. He wants you to take his yoke upon you, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants you to take his yoke upon you, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants you to take his yoke upon you for his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Right there. Yep. Right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, right there. In Yeshua's name, in Yeshua's name, in Yeshua's name, in Yeshua's name. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're not unworthy. 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 going to release this and then we'll we'll begin we'll open the altar but I believe there's I believe there are people under the sound of my voice you're dealing with chronic illness you're dealing with chronic pain fatigue and sickness does not flare up all the time it does not flare up all the time but it does flare up and it consistently flares up and I believe the Lord showed me it was a byproduct of the way that your anxiety takes hold of you in your subconscious. Everything you see is colored by anxiety and it's causing you, ah, Jesus. It's causing you not to sleep well. It's causing, Jesus. It's causing you not to sleep well. It's causing you to be worn out. It's causing you to tire more quickly than you should tire. It's causing you to be frazzled. The word I hear is frazzled. I feel frazzled when I shouldn't feel frazzled.
chronically ill, chronically sick. Every few months this flares up and I just kind of deal with it and Yeshua is here to deal with it once and for all time. He's here to deal with it once and for all time. There's someone here, you've, you've, you've tricked yourself into believing you have to watch your heart because everyone in your family has heart disease and you're concerned about having heart disease as you go into your later years. And Yahweh says, Yo, ho, your subconscious is not allowed to give you that sickness. This is not about Jimmy and Tina not teaching this correctly. They have done so well. Big Mike and the rest of the team have done so well. They have done so well. I'm blown away. Every time I come, I'm blown away by the culture of this place. I love the culture of this place. This is not about that. This is about the one place that your that your conscious thinking and your conscious your conscious repetitious there's someone here you've been trying to memorize things you've been trying to go through and memorize I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and you repeat it to yourself almost like the old faith movement did and you're wondering why it has not worked you're wondering why it has not worked you're wondering why it ha- why do I still feel this way on the inside it's because your subconscious has remained unredeemed and Yahweh here says uh, Yahweh's here tonight to fix that spoke on tonight makes a lot of sense I know me and Big Mike have been talking about a new wave of salvation coming yes the scripture says today is the day of salvation you've heard me say the Greek meaning of the word salvation is secure it's not about the sinner's prayer it's about being secure in the love of Abba And when Ben began to teach on this, the Lord began to take me back when I was younger and preached on this. And the emphasis of the paraplegic, I began to do a study that the only way you can even be identified as a paraplegic is to one, be born that way or to have trauma to your back. Some of you are struggling with thoughts because of the way you were raised. Yes. How you were born. Others, you have suffered trauma. And today he wants to give you a backbone, which would be this. 
and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and they were able to proclaim his boldness. Today is the day of your security. Today is the day of your security. Where in your life do you not feel secure? Today is the day of salvation. That's what happened to him. Amazing man of God. Salvation came to him 10 days ago because areas he wasn't secure in who God made him to be. Abba says, I love you too much, Ben. I love your wife too much. I love your children too much for you to live a life in pieces. What takes away pieces when something is secure? Abba wants to bring salvation to you today, which is security. No more looking in the mirror. No more laying in bed. No more walking and wandering in life insecure. He wants you to be secure in Him and who you are. paraplegic back was gone can't walk can't feel listen to me how many of you felt like that I can't get this walk right I can't feel him now you know who the altar calls for I can't feel I've become hard I've become numb I want to feel again I want to cry again Who in the room has been praying? I want to feel again. I want to walk with you again. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. This is the place that I feel like the message came from. Psalms 55, 22. A 10-day experience for you. And then you came. And I could literally put these as your words. So here's what I've learned from it all. Leave your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. You've opened the door to allow people to do so. So that measureless grace will strengthen you. So just come let measureless grace strengthen you. It can't be measured. And I don't think we're supposed to come to the altar alone. That was the key with this man that was couldn't walk, couldn't feel. Somebody loved him enough to say, I'll walk with you. I'll carry you, actually. You're you're sitting next to some, most of you in this room are sitting next to somebody who's heard your black hole, who's heard your I'm not good enough, who's heard your cry for help. 
call it complaining. Call it frustration. What was the word you used? Frantic. Frazzled. Yeah, frazzled. Today, Today we get healed. This isn't about ministering to one another. Because you know what's crazy about the four guys that brought the man to Jesus? They didn't minister to the man. They were just willing to walk with him. So I want us to stand in this place. Mama, do you have something? we need to um, with Holy Spirit just take an honest assessment of what's going on within you he can talk about the subconscious and a lot of us we we immediately block it out and just well I I deal with this because of this and I've been meditating on this these verses for days fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep in your spirit then as you unwrap my words they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being so above all guard the affections of your heart which is your thoughts it says in the Hebrew word there for that it's actually guard the affections of your thoughts for they affect all that you are pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being for from there flows the wellspring of life. So we can pass off a lot of things of I, I, I don't feel well because this is happening. I don't feel well because that's happening and or this has been done to me so it caused this in me. But it's the welfare of your innermost being that from there springs forth the wellspring of life. So you can reason it away in a thousand different directions. But the fact of the matter is it's the thought patterns guarding the thought patterns let's just let's close our eyes across this room for a minute and just I want you to search that Holy Spirit search that in us nobody knows our innermost being like you nobody let us not reason away right now what you're wanting to do the healing the wholeness you're wanting to bring let us not reason it away Holy Spirit, dive deep. Dive deep. We open up. We open up. Dive deep. Dive as deep as you need to in us. As deep as you need to in us that the wellspring of life will begin to flow in us again. The things that have been damming up the wellspring of life will begin to flow forth again with that new wine we spoke of earlier. Holy Spirit, search us. Search us. We trust you. We trust your your gaze. We trust your searching eyes. You have no intention of harming us, but your intentions are wholeness. Come on, so this is the moment where I remember the day I got saved from hell, a lake of fire. But I've felt some frustrating days where I needed saved and those frustrating days have become reoccurring days in 44 years of my life and if there are some reoccurrences that have been coming after your heart I'm going to tell you what Big Mike said last week
It's time for you to live. You deserve to live. You deserve to dream. You deserve the abundant, glorious life that Jesus promised you. So I'm asking you, if what we're saying here tonight, you're ready to let Jesus come and take that black hole and replace it with light. If anybody next to you begins to move, I want you to go with them. I want you to go. Nobody goes alone. That's how this one rolls tonight. This one is just like the parable. Just like this story. Yeah, nobody goes alone. I see marriages being restored tonight. I see dreams being restored tonight. Yeah, come on, man. This is why tonight shifts for the North Cape. Just let it go. Let it go. Come on, let light in. Come on, Ben told us that the fear, the despise, the frazzle, the frustration gets replaced with light. heart's getting soft again salvation is here for you today salvation is here for you today salvation is here for your marriage now I know why Mama T kept singing it his blood speaks a better word his blood oh Jesus Oh, how you love us. Oh, how you love us, Jesus. Jesus, let your love wash over your sons and daughters. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.